You're listening to a Skewed Orbit original podcast. Hey friends, welcome back to Highly Unlikely. I'm your host, Alex Getlin, and this is the show where I get my friends high and teach them about a subject that is so bizarre, it seems highly unlikely, but it is 100% true. Now I have two guests today and they're both hilarious. I've got Sean Bedgood, great comic, great actor. You might've seen him on Shameless. And also Gitler Raphael, another great comic, performs all over. Check these guys out. In this episode, we're going to learn about Dirty Cops. So, Gitler, I know you just smoked weed again for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Right before this podcast. He called me like half an hour ago and he's like, listen, man, I don't smoke a lot. I don't know. Like, I don't, and I'm like, dude, whatever you're comfortable with, it's low pressure. We're just talking shit, you know? And then he's like, all right, fuck it. Give me two gummies and I'm going to hit this joint. It's like, hell yeah. Right. Uh, when was the last time you smoked, dude? Before today? I mean, I've smoked like at the, you know, at the house, like just dolo. And just went on like a, a binge of like watching anime within like the past couple of years or whatever. Like basically, I've done that, but it's been since like hanging out with friends and shooting the shit and just being out amongst people. Yeah. And then having to do shit afterwards, <laughs> smoke. Yeah. Like 15, 15 years, I want to say. Wow, dude. This is the, so this is the first Damn. social smoking yeah. you've done in 15 years. Yeah. yeah. That's, dude, I'm on the word man. I was looking for was social. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wow, Sean, what about you, man? Um, I stopped. I was, you know, I had a little phase. Yeah. I went with smoking, but I stopped at the top of the year. Okay. And um, I have only only been fucking with really edibles. Interesting. So, yeah. but I've smoked maybe like a handful of times. Yeah. I have I gummies if you want. Are, are you good? Um, I'm probably cool for right okay. now. Okay. Yeah. I'm you still, just let me know. Yeah. yeah. I'm still um, crispy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, cool. Okay. So the story we're gonna talk about. Um, it comes from Baltimore and actually there was a series made about this story on HBO called we own the city. Have you seen that series? Yeah, I saw it. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I know. Okay. So we're going to go through, there's some stuff that even the series didn't tap into that just is how insane this group of cops was in Baltimore. Okay. So in 2007, they formed something called the gun trace task force. And this was supposed to be an elite unit that went and got guns off the street. That was like the, I believe the mayor was like really big on trying to like get guns off the street. Right. So the units running. And the thing about these guys is they weren't regular cops, like regular cops. They, you know, either have like a specific thing where they're like doing narcotics investigations or they're like patrol cops. Right. These guys wore plain clothes. They basically more or less the department let them have like a blank check to do whatever they want. They're like, listen, you guys get guns off the street. We're not going to ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, it was in. As you can imagine, it was a recipe for fucking disaster, right? Like you just tell these cops, yeah, just, you know, listen, work as much as you want, as much overtime as you need, do your thing. You know, if you just need to maybe, you know, bend some rules, just get the guns, whatever it takes. Just, we don't want to know about it. It was like that right. kind of shit, right? Okay. But this story specifically, it takes place in 2015 to 2017 range. That's kind of the bulk of it. And there was one guy named Wayne Jenkins, okay? He was the protagonist of that series. And Wayne Jenkins, like, this dude, how do I explain this? He really, he loved being a cop. Like he was like obsessed with this sort of like your hyper machismo, you know, dude was a Marine. He was an amateur MMA fighter. And he's just like, dude, I'm like a cop's cop. I'm so into it. And the thing is he did do a good job at getting guns off the street. Now, was he doing it ethically? Obviously not, we're gonna get into that in a minute. But the thing is, because he had such a high success rate of doing that, the department was kind of like, oh, he's the golden boy. Like they didn't want to ask a lot of questions. He got results. So they're just like, hey, okay, like yeah, keep it up, do your thing, right? Mm -hmm. 
but then more and more uh complaints are coming in but because he's like just crushing it they're just like yeah you know whatever man we're not gonna don't worry about this he kind of becomes like a miniature celebrity of sorts mm -hmm. in the department because he had a million dollar cocaine bust and so then they're like oh shit like he's really pulling through and then there was like um a riot where he basically commandeered a van and like picked up some cops that had been like cornered now he did some other super shady shit during that that I'll talk about in a minute. But, but what I'm setting up here is that he was really considered to be like the king of the department, right? Mm -hmm. And that kind of sets up on how this stuff all gets crazy. Okay. Now, just to get, paint a picture of how clearly they were ignoring that there was a real problem with this guy, one attorney alone said that he represented 50 different cases against this guy, Wayne Jenkins. 5-0. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they're still like, no, nah, it's just, they're all making it up. It's cool, right? I mean, <laughs> my man put up Will Chamberlain, though. Right, man. Yeah. Right. That was one attorney, too. One attorney. Jesus right. Yeah. All right. And the thing is, dude, so this guy basically would pull people over for stuff that was horseshit, right? He would do like seatbelt violations. Like somebody would not have their seatbelt on at the gas station. Mm -hmm. And then he would run up to the car, pull them over, be like, oh, I smell weed. Oh, let's get you out of the car. And basically he would intimidate these people and trick them into giving them permission to search the car or search their house. Yep. Because, you know, you're scared, man. The cops are there. They're cornering you. A lot of the folks don't know their rights and they kind of bully them. And when we do these things called sneak and peeks. What mm -hmm. a sneak and peek is, is they pull someone over and they think that they're like a player in the drug game or they even just have a lot of money. Like even if they're not, you know, in the game, they just have cash at their house. They basically, what they would do is they would hold them there, have someone go and like, so they would get their keys from them when they're pulled over, see their registration and go peek into the house, which is super fucking illegal. Like 100% illegal. Look around being like, yeah, we're going to hit this dude. So then they would go and make up some bullshit to get a warrant, yep. go in and then, you know, Yep. Rob yep. the guy, right? So then we get to how these guys got caught. Because mm -hmm. what they were doing was they were just straight up just robbing like either drug dealers or even just like folks in the community. There were like, honestly, a lot of the people they robbed had no criminal offenses whatsoever. They would just pull someone over. They had a lot of cash on them. They would just make up some bullshit and take it. Because they're like, hey, who are they going to believe? Like, we're the police, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. So they had all these complaints. But still nothing was happening. But then something does take place that causes the whole game they were running to unravel, all right? So there was a drug detective named uh, David McDougal from a different police department. He was investigating this drug dealer named Aaron Anderson in Baltimore. Now, he had put a tracker on Aaron Anderson's car, mm -hmm. and then Anderson basically switched up his behavior, they got suspicious, they arrested the guy. When they arrested him, they went to search the car, they found a second tracker. Now, the, the detective who arrested this guy was really confused because he's like, well, I've been on this dude. I put a tracker. Who put another tracker on this guy? It's very, very confusing, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So then he's thinking, well, sometimes police do like low profile surveillance. Maybe it was that. But he's like looking through and there's no record of anybody um, doing like putting the tracker there. So he calls the tracker company. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. and gets the name of the person who bought it. It's a cop in another department. Yeah. But the thing is, there's no record of it being, like, um, going through the official channels, and the cop paid for it with his own money, not with the department money, which means mm -hmm. that cop specifically didn't want anyone to know about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay? So for some reason, this cop has a secret tracker on a drug dealer that he doesn't want any other cops to know about. So this de detective who was running the legit operation... David McDougal, he's like, okay, something is sketchy here. It seems like this cop is robbing drug dealers and using his own tracker to catch them. So he calls the FBI and he's like, hey, you need to look into this. I can't go to the Baltimore Police Department because I don't know who's dirty. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like we need to go outside. And he um, <clears throat> starts working with this detective, Erica Jensen. And this woman's a badass dude. She goes after the cartels. She goes after dirty politicians. So she's like one of the high level detectives mm. that goes after these kind of people, okay? So then what they do is they start looking in to this guy, Aaron Anderson, and they see that the, the detective from the Gun Trace Task Force, which is that task force I mentioned with the guy, Wayne Jenkins, the real bad cop who's kind of running it, 
The cop who bought the tracker is in that network, in that detective gun trace task force group. It wasn't okay. even Wayne. It wasn't Wayne, no, oh, but shit. it was one of his guys. Yeah, yeah. This, you'll see in a second. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That cop, um, so, they, so the, detect, the FBI agent's going through all the people in the group, and she sees a name there, Jamel Ram. Now, Jamel Ram is one of the officers in that group. He used to be the next door neighbor of the drug dealer who just got arrested. Okay, so Aaron Anderson was neighbors with the cop who was involved with putting the tracker on the car. And so there's some more to the Aaron Anderson story. What happened was after they arrested him, they found out he told police that he had gotten ambushed and robbed a few nights before. So like he didn't know who it was, if it was like a rival drug dealer or whoever, but he switched up his patterns because out of nowhere, when he wasn't home, two guys busted into his house, pistol whipped his girlfriend, stole a bunch of money and drugs. So he got paranoid. That's uh, Aaron Anderson. Correct, the drug dealer. This happened to him. Yeah. He told, after he got arrested, he told this to the detective. Mm -hmm. Then they realized, wait a minute, it was that the dirty cops who did that and they had the tracker on the car mm, to yep. see when he wasn't home. Mm -hmm. So then they're like, holy shit. So they think it's like one, maybe two dirty cops who were doing like this like, you know, thing where they'll follow drug dealers, rob them, et cetera. But they're like, let's sit on it. Let's investigate. Let's find out how big it is. So Jamel Rayum was partners with this other detective, Mamadou Gondo. And Mamadou Gondo, as they look through his um, phone records, because the FBI is searching through everybody, he's got all these phone calls with a guy named Antonio Schrapstreyer, who was a rival yeah. of the drug dealer who got busted just previously. Okay, so to recap it, because there's a lot of moving parts. Okay, we got four well, people. If, it feels like it feels like right now it's like if Ethan Hawke in Training Day just listened to Denzel Washington. King Kong ain't got shit on me. And yeah. then move to Baltimore. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's right. like, yeah. oh, yeah, he's got the he's got the answers. I'm just going to do that. Well, it's crazy. It's it's like, I guess it's not crazy, honestly, but it's like wild to think about like, oh, yeah. Like if you just let these guys get away with no punishment, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, that's surprising. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, when you don't have boundaries, um, yeah, like, <laughs> shit goes left quick. So there's four guys in the store, just to recap it real quick. So there's Aaron Anderson. He was mm -hmm. a dealer who got busted. And, and Jamel Rayum was the first cop who was next door neighbors with Aaron Anderson. His partner, Mamadou Gondo, was friends with Antonio Schrapstreyer, the rival of the guy who just got busted. Okay. Gotcha. So, and just to put some perspective on like how this group came to be, a lot of these guys had infringements against them prior mm -hmm. to being in the gun trace task force. Like Jamel Rayum got reprimanded. For he, there was like something where he stole some money from like a civilian, mm -hmm. and it wasn't enough to get him like in legal trouble, but he did have to like take two years off. As soon as he comes back, they put him in the gun trace task force. And that was true for a lot of these guys. They had a lot of things. People were like, they're fucking difficult. I don't want to deal with this guy. Send him over there. Just throw to all the meatheads in one spot. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Literally took all the like frat guy energy and just been like, put him all there. Mm -hmm. Because the other sergeants and stuff were like, oh, that, he's just a headache. I don't want to deal with it. I can't keep I can't keep them in line to stick them together. So you can see how this whole thing kind of like fostered itself, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So then, um, as they're learning how all this shook out, they put a tracker on Shropshire's car, the, mm -hmm. the dealer who was still like out in the world. While they're um, tracking him, while they're like keeping tabs on him, he goes to get his car serviced. They put the car, the mechanic puts it up on the lift. He's like, "Hey, man, you have somebody tracking you." So he figures out. Like, oh, well, there's a tracker. What the fuck? And the detectives see this happen because they're like, shit. Like, because they're tapping his phone. He immediately calls the cop he's in with, Gondo. He's like, hey, what does this mean? And then Gondo on the phone, like, you can hear there's recordings of this. In the phone call, he's like, oh, yeah, it means someone from the other side is watching you. You better be careful. And then he pauses because he's like, I'm on the wire right now. And he's like, you know what? I don't even know who this is. I don't know who I'm talking to. He, like, tries to like, play dumb. <laughs> He literally says, man, I don't even know who I'm talking to. Definitely somebody's been uh, tracking you. You know, I you know what I'm talking to you, so whatever you do, you do. Like, Serious? After that yes. part? It's like, because <laughs> he like, a, yeah. You remember that scene? Yeah, that's a, that's a sketch, bro. Yeah. 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 I mean, you see the dude, like, he's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're for sure. Uh, like tracking you, they've probably bugged your phone. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't. <laughs> this isn't Gondo. Because this is the storyline he's talking about, right? right. The oh, plot line you. to the show. Yeah. This is this I've is seen real. all of it. 
Oh no, it's what happened. This is real. Yeah, what it, happened. It, it, oh, oh, yeah. okay. It it happened, but that's, it's like that's what the show is. Oh, that's yeah. based on the show. Yeah. yeah, but there there it's on the show, but there's also an actual audio recording where you can hear the guy and he pauses and he's like, he literally says, I don't even know who I'm talking to. Yeah. And it's like, and then you hear it and like, dude, the FBI already knows, man. They already, they already heard the first part. Like, you know what I mean? No speaking of English. Yeah. Yeah. That was even more funny. Okay, so yeah, then, I don't even know who I'm talking to. Right? Yeah. I don't even know who. Yeah, that's like some that's all you got. Like that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like your girl gets your phone. She's like, "Who is this?" You're like, I don't even know, man. Like, I don't even know, know who that is. <laughs> Someone planted those texts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not even my dick. Yeah, I don't even know. I didn't send that. Yeah, uh, man, that's so funny. So anyway, so they don't move on Gondor right away. They're like, let's see how big this goes because you're like, it could be these two guys. It could be a lot more. So they bug Gondor's uh, house and his phone, and his car. And they even find a bag of heroin in his car when they bug it, but they're like, leave it there. Like, they want to keep going farther and farther in. Then what really brings in the whole group is there's a situation, and this was very common how these cops would police. Mm-hmm. They were known in the neighborhood as jump out boys because they mm-hmm. would just jump out of the, they wouldn't put the lights on. Right. They would just like, pull you up. know, cruise up, jump out, and like harass everybody. Yeah. Just be real assholes, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, right? Um, but And they also would chase cars and they wouldn't turn the lights on. They would try to scare cars into thinking they were going about to get like mugged or, or carjacked. So they would just speed up real quick and freak them out so that they would run. And then they could say, oh, he ran from me. I had to chase him. Oh, you know? shit. Like, they would trick people right, into doing right. like the smallest yeah. infraction mm-hmm. just as an excuse because they knew like, oh, if we just do it enough, we're going to be able to rob everybody. And we're the police. We can do whatever we want. Right. Some of them even had like girls they were seeing in the neighborhood and they would pay them to be snitches. And they'd be like, hey, just tell me. I don't care if it was used in a crime. Tell me who's got a gun. If it's not registered, we're good. And then they would find an excuse to pull them over mm. and then be like, oh, Damn. Looks like you got a gun. Oh, look at this. You got ten. Get ten thousand in cash. Wait, I mean, you got five thousand in cash. And the guy's like, "It was ten thousand. They're like, "I saw five. You know what I'm saying? They would do a lot of that shit. They were really. They were. Wait, what year was this? 2016, mostly. 2016. It yeah. sounds like they grew up on 80s dirty cop movies and was like, "Yeah, hey, I'm gonna just do that shit." I mean, they were a gang, legitimately. Yeah, I mean, they were. They were like the worst gang I mean, in Baltimore. They also from Baltimore. So. Yeah. yeah. So they were just like. <laughs> right. Right, they were just like, oh, yeah, the wires. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, what, what, this is the thing that really showed the FBI how big it was. So they were doing that to someone. They were chasing this car, and they caused a hit and run. Mm-hmm. Like, a terrible accident. Their fault. And they just take off. They're like, hey, we're going to pretend like we weren't even there. They don't want to deal with it. And the FBI hears on the wiretaps all of the guys in the group are in on it. And Wayne Jenkins is telling them how to corroborate their stories how to be like, you yeah. know, so he's coaching everybody through. Like, he was the criminal's criminal. You right, know? They right. were like, he's a cop's cop. No, he is a criminal's criminal. Right. And so he's like, he, the, he's the boss. He's the uh, yeah. shot caller. So um, that really was like the smoking gun mm-hmm. that showed them mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah, this is an organized thing with this motherfucker, Wayne Jenkins, like really calling the shots. What the um, fuck? There were some other ones that um, were pretty significant, like that came up later. And we'll talk about more in the court case in a second. But there was one example, right, where a dude named O'Ree Stevenson, they pulled like a trick on him to do that same thing, stole $100,000 in cash from him. So they did a sneak and peek, saw there was a safe. Mm. They went there. There, were, there was 200000 in the safe. They prop it open, steal hundred k, mm. shut it, then pull out their phones and record it as if they've discovered the hundred k. Because the more they do it, and people are starting to be like, yo, something is not right with these guys. Right. They, they try to like cover their tracks. They're not good at it. But, like, you can see, like, in the video, like, hey, Sarge, look at this. Like, it's, like, cheesy-ass acting. Hey, Sarge. Whoa. Hey, come downstairs right quick. They're about to get it open. Do not, nobody touches you. Understand me right now. Nobody I'm, keep, I'm keeping the you. camera rolling. So, at the same time all of this is happening, while the FBI is investigating them, the, a lot of folks in the community are, like, trying to get together. And they'd be like, dude, we know these guys are criminals. We know they harass people. Like, we have to do something. One guy in particular, Kenneth Baumgartner, he had rented a BMW to celebrate his son's birthday. Same thing. Cops tricked him, got him doing car chase, had a crash, stole his money. So he 
tries to go to like the police offices that deal with this. And they're like, if there's no evidence, what do you want us to do? Like, sorry. So he's like, I am going to prove that these cops did it. He does his own like detective work and gets enough witnesses in the community to come together. Be like, yeah, we saw that shit. Yeah, we'll testify. So this, they're starting to build like heat from that angle. So the FBI sees this because as the complaints are stacking up, they're looking into these guys and the FBI sees like, oh, not only are we looking into it, but the community itself is also taking notes and doing their research. So one more guy I got to introduce, and this is where shit gets really crazy with these guys. Okay. So we have the gun trace task force. We got Wayne Jenkins, who's the boss, really the one leading the ship, his, you know, underlings. There's another dude named Donald Stepp. Donald Stepp was a drug dealer who went to prison, got out, started his own bail bonds business, and used to play in like underground card games with a lot of those cops. He was a degenerate gambler, yeah. loved playing poker, you know, hung around. He meets Wayne Jenkins and they click up, you know, like Wayne is like bragging about like, we got this bust, we got that bust, etc. And Donald's like, hey man, I used to be in the drug game. I know enough people, I can move these drugs. Like, let's do it. <laughs> so Jeez. just to put this in perspective, just to really break down how this goes, right? This dude, arrest people to quote unquote, get drugs off the street. That's their job, right? They're the police. The, in society trusts them to take drugs off the street theoretically. This dude in that role arrests these guys, takes the drugs, sells them back to a drug dealer who puts them back on the street. Like the fucking yeah. criminal ingenuity of that shit. Right. I mean, yeah. so, you know, it's crazy, right? It's, um, it also seems like it's, it, it, it's, it was there. It was like whoever the criminal cops would be in each city. Yeah. It was like just as like whoever was in the streets, mm -hmm. how like drugs was just making people rich. Yeah. Um, it seems like in like almost every major city, something like this happened at one time. Well, it's just, another. you know, when you have a system where someone has the power to do that yeah. they, and there aren't punishments, there aren't repercussions. There's no fear of like, and especially it's, I would imagine you, first time you do it, you're kind of nervous. You're like, oh, shit. You get away with it. And you're like, oh, okay. You do it again. You get away with it. And then by the third time, you're like, oh, this is what we do. Right. I mean, they're, they're above the law, man. Literally. Well, they're, not like anymore, but they, they were. They were. They're above, yeah. the, they're, they're above the law. Like, And you have the power to manipulate every situation. The reason why they have to – see, it's easy to get in the car. Yeah. Right? Getting in someone's car is real easy. You just need to establish enough to – um to, to justify why you're making the yeah. search and you control that narrative. Yep. It's not what the, right, the person that's being pulled over says. Yeah. Or, who, or the people involved. It's you control the narrative. You yeah. have to write the police report. Yep. And the police report, like you you had mentioned earlier, like coaching these guys through. Mm -hmm. It's like all the police reports have to be on point. Yep. Right. Um, but yeah, they they they're just criminals that got power. Bro. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like in New Orleans in the eighties, like. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, and it's like, but and I'll talk about this a little bit more at the end, but the ways that these guys would like justify it to themselves. Because the thing is, I actually, like, if you take that guy versus just like a guy who's like a shot caller selling drugs, I respect the shot caller drug dealer more because at least he's being honest. Like, this is what we do. The cops would find, they would do mental somersaults to convince themselves, no, no, we, we're good cops. Like this, they would just make up, they would convince themselves that they weren't bad, which is even more fucked up. Like, just admit it, dude. Just yeah. admit that you're, like, the worst person. Don't try yeah. and, like, say you're not a hero. You can't pull this hero complex shit and do that. I mean, yeah, some of them definitely had that, you know, a lot of narcissistic traits. Especially, yeah. like, when you, you watch how John Bernthal oh, played yeah. that character in the, the show. John Bernthal is the lead. Oh, yeah. Man. Um, he's great, dude. He yo, he bodied that shit, bro. Oh, okay. he, he he's it. one of my favorite guys to watch now, by yeah. the way. Yeah. So... Wayne Jenkins is bringing like insane amounts of uh, weight to this guy, Donald Stepp. He's bringing ecstasy, he's bringing heroin, he's bringing coke, he's bringing weed. And uh, Donald Stepp basically told authorities, I'll get to this in a minute, but he talks about how like, it got to the point where he had a garage and he would just give Wayne Jenkins like uh, access into the garage and he would just come in the middle of the night, like, you know, get all this weight in there. It was like getting crazy. And he taught when you when the uh, FBI investigated these cops at the end, they're like, Why did you guys like was the money from the drug dealers not enough? Like you had to start selling drugs, and they're like, It's too much. Like when there's that much more money to make, yeah. why not? And it's like we're already not getting in trouble, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, you get 20k and you look and you're like, 
but that could be 200k and it's just it's too tempting once right. once you're already doing it you're like well why not because yeah because who's gonna check you right you know exactly nobody. Like, it's nobody. <laughs> but wayne is getting more and more reckless more and more crazy it's like mm -hmm. he's going nuts and he just feels like a king right the um the drug dealer bail bondsman he realizes like this is not gonna last forever like this shit's gonna fall apart wayne's out of control it's getting too much so he starts secretly recording all their conversations for insurance because he's already planning like yo we get popped I'm going to get a sweet fucking deal for myself. This guy is like nuts. He's, you know, partying too hard. So he's really stacked. And this dude had already done time. So he kind of was in the mindset of like, he knew he wasn't so arrogant to think like, oh, we'll never get caught. He's like, I've been in before. I'm going to get a deal this time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, for, the foresight. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I mean, good for him. Yeah. Mark, he got, yeah. We'll get to their sentences in a minute. Uh, oh, the last thing I want to share that how fucking crazy this dude, Wayne Jenkins was. So at a certain point, when they were trying to intimidate some of the, you know, um, different members of the community mm -hmm. who they were suspected of being like, you know, involved in the drug game, they would have Wayne Jenkins pretend to be a DEA agent or a U.S. attorney to make it seem like, hey, this is like something for something very innocuous, like a really small yeah. crime. Uh -huh. And someone would just be like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. They would scare them with him impersonating like a federal agent. To make them think like, oh, fuck, let me just tell these guys what's going on. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. they, it was like even that. He was just doing all this shit at the same time. Damn, that's unreal. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's sociopath shit. So while this is happening, finally, the unit, other guys in the unit start talking. And they and the FBI hears us on the wiretaps like, uh, I, I feel like this isn't going to last forever. There's like They're starting to get suspicious of certain things about they might be surveillance because the FBI is watching them. There was one thing they did where it's called an integrity test, and they would basically have like a, an abandoned car somewhere, put a bunch of marked bills in it, tell a detective or a cop to go check out the car, see if, because it, it's like an abandoned car. They're like, someone left it there, can you just go check it out? And if the guy takes the money, he's dirty. If they leave it, um, then they're not dirty. So they, had, they called these guys, Gondo and Jamal Jenkins, and they were like, hey, go do, check out this car. But they're detectives, so they're on them, but they're like, I think they're testing us. And they're starting to realize, like, hey, like, and they know they're breaking the rules. They know, like, they're yeah. not stupid. Right. You know, so then they start talking to the wiretaps, and the FBI is like, we got to move in. You know, like, yeah. let's time. So, oh, and the other, one more thing that was crazy, too, they heard on the wiretaps, is they also were stealing from each other. Because they would do robberies, and then they'd be, like, talking in the car, and it's like, yo, man, there was 20 there, right? And it's like, no, no, it was 15. And it was yeah, like, no, it yeah, was 20. It's like, yeah. I don't know what you think. Yeah. It's, it's 15, dude. I, you know. Mm -hmm. So not only are they st they're stealing from each other, so they're even getting more paranoid mm -hmm. and suspicious. So FBI is like, okay, we got to move in. We got to deal with this. But it's very tricky arresting one cop. Imagine arresting eight cops, you know, or seven rather, seven cops. Um, they, did, they were eight total, but seven <clears throat> with this first bust. Right. Um, so what they do is they go to the top, um, like, command of the Baltimore police. <clears throat> they tell them, hey, this is what's going to happen. So those guys tell the unit, hey, you have to come in for like, there's some complaint about something and go to internal affairs. It's very routine, no big deal. So they're like, okay, sure, whatever. So then when they go into internal affairs, they have to check their guns in those little like lockers, the mm -hmm. thing, because the whole fear is like, if we try to arrest them anywhere else, they're going to be armed. We don't know if they're going to try and do like suicide by right. cop or something right. else. So they have to put them in a scenario where they're not near their guns. And the only way to do that is this. When they, they do it, and it works out. They Every single one of them did it without incident. Um, mm -hmm. April 9th, 2017. So it was seven total. And they were hit with racketeering charges. And I was – because I know racketeering is the thing that they hit like all like uh, – they what so they got Al Capone for and El Chapo. And it's kind of a vague – because I didn't know the literal definition. It just means fraudulent business dealings. So I guess anything under the realm of like committing fraud. But they started hitting him with other stuff. Like for example – this is so funny because they would get him with like the real serious crime of like, you know, racketeering. And there was like all this stuff that they were obviously guilty of, like planting guns on people, stealing uh, people's money, like, you know. But then um, what was much easier to prove is they were working a ton of hours on overtime and they were illegally like stealing overtime hours. So even though that like that's like not as serious of an offense, but it was so provable that they made it one of the charges because it was so much harder to prove like a lot of the heavier shit. But they would do stuff because they were this elite unit. No one checked their time cards. They would be part pulling in like $8,000 a month. And they're just like, at one point, Wayne Jenkins was like on vacation in Miami and like put in that he had, like when they went back and looked at the records, they put in he was like working overtime the whole, they all did this because there was yeah. nobody checking because yeah. all they Jesus. had to do was bring guns. As long as they brought guns, they're yeah. like, yeah, do whatever you want. So that's why 
they would just have these like these girls they like paid to be informants. They're like, I don't care whose gun it is. Just find me a gun so I can take it to my boss and say, look at these guns. And I'm like, yeah, okay, keep getting the overtime. I mean, it was a like just a criminal yeah. syndicate on so many levels. So when they get them all um, arrested, then the public sees it. And then the floodgates come open. Because then all these people making complaints, they're like, hey, I know those guys. That's who fucked with me. So now all these attorneys finally have some like leverage to really get these civil cases looked at. Because it's a fact that these guys uh, got arrested. So at first, when they weren't being interrogated, they all stayed silent. They're like, we're going to keep to our stories. We're not going to rat on each other. But then as soon as the FBI was like, dude, you guys are on wire. Like We have it recorded. And then they all started flipping, except... For Wayne Jenkins. He mm. would not, but he's like, no, no, no. He was so convinced that he was not going to get in trouble that he didn't want to um, flip. So most of the guys who confessed, they got like seven to 10 years. But because Wayne Jenkins was like, no, I'm not going to do it. They gave him 25 years. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, two of the other dudes involved. Yeah. It's like, you motherfucker. Which honestly, and I think it should have been more. Um, but... Towards the end, right before it was about to go to trial, and he saw all the evidence, he would, had a risk of getting a life sentence. So and they were like, either you sign this right now, this confession, full confession, 25 years, or we're going to take you to court, and we're going to push for a life sentence. So he's like, all right, fuck it. And so he signed it. Two other officers went to court because um, they were like, no, nah, I'm going to beat this. And they lost. They both got like, one I think got like 18 years, and the other one got like 12 years or something. But what also came to light from the trials is that they confessed because it wasn't just that like it was the police records that were discovered at the interrogations. When they did these two trials, all of the shit they had done in terms of like stealing the drugs and selling them back on the street and um, planting BB guns on people to make it look like that person had a weapon, all that shit. All of that went on record because the other officers had to testify in court. So the press is there being like, oh, this is. Yeah, it's a it's in court record now. The public is seeing like, holy shit, this is like these guys were a criminal syndicate. One of the main witnesses that gave the FBI like all of the smoking gun evidence was Donald Stepp, that bail bondsman. He got two years because when the FBI showed up, he was like, "Hey, I've been waiting for you. Here's yeah. everything you need on Wayne Jenkins and all of the crime. Take it away." And like he was like, you know, uh, ready to you know keep himself protected. So Wayne, this is the thing that's craziest to me, is that um, I listened to this interview that Wayne Jenkins did with the BBC, mm-hmm. and he claims that it's all bullshit. He only signed the confession because he got him like he didn't want to go to prison for life, and that everything is exaggerated. But the thing that's the most insane is like the interviewer calls him. It's like, well, let me just let you say, is there anything at the top you want to start with? Is there anything you want to open this with? And he was like, I just want to say for the record, I was an amazing cop. I did good cop work. I did good, you know, I was a cops respected me. I brought guns home. I was a cop for 14 years and I was the best. The best in the city, the golden boy. No one could get drugs and guns like me. We got four times as many guns as any cop in the city did. Like the insanity of this guy, mm-hmm. really like convincing himself. He's like, yeah, and he kind of was like, look, did I break a few rules here and there? Sure, yeah, I'm not an angel, but we got guns off the street and we locked up criminals. It's like, dude, this guy's fucking delusion. Yeah, to not think- even. Yeah, you think about the narcissism the narcissism it takes to even attempt half that shit. Yeah. And then it's like, oh yeah. When you if you, if like you hear him speak and it's like, oh yeah, he's like you said delusional. He's fucking gone because like that <clears throat> the idea that he did all the shit that he did, yeah, to then be like I don't want a plea deal when right. is you, he's not stupid, yeah. right? Right. So he's just fucking gone. Yeah. Like at this point, you know. What yeah. I mean? It's that that classic <laughs> narcissist shit, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's you know, um, it's, it's never, crazy it's never to him, see that. It's man everybody else. It's everybody you know I mean? else. Yeah. And, and then that's the type of person who had that kind of power. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's the real danger shit. That's, that's the. It shows you how. Now think about that, right? This guy was basically a dictator. Yep. Imagine that dude if he ran a country. Right. Mm-hmm. Same shit. Same mentality. Oh, yeah. Same shit, bro. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. When you when you watch it, like shout out to to John Bernthal, like yeah. he he really embodied that in the first that opening um scene, 
the first episode, you really see that shit. It's yeah. like, yo, this dude's a motherfucker, man. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. dude's. <laughs> like, it, like it has the energy of, like, the quarterback in the huddle just getting the troops, like, riled up, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's like, he's like, I'm that. I'm the king. I'm in the, you know? And it's like, dude, just be honest. Like, you went a different way. No one's buying this shit. But, I, but it was interesting, I think, um, so the interviewer said that when he was in prison, in, in, um, for a while, he wouldn't talk to anybody. He wouldn't do any interviews. And then he um, was cellmates or, like, met someone in prison who's an attorney who that guy basically convinced him, like, hey, we're going to do, like, a press angle and try and use that as leverage to get your sentence lowered. I don't know how that would work because this dude sounds like a total asshole in this mm-hmm. interview. But the same attorney is representing El Chapo and a few other, like, you know, celebrity criminals and trying to like find a way to sort of use media sensationalism into their benefit. Yeah. Which is like wild. It's like he wouldn't talk. It's just, it's so honestly to me indicative of like the culture we have today. We're like, mm-hmm. this guy Wayne gets goes to prison. He's totally silent, won't talk to anyone because the press is trying to get him, you know, because he, it's like this famous trial. Mm-hmm. Like, we want to talk to you. And then this lawyer's like, I bet you we can spend this in our favor. Just talk to the media. Just like so insane, man. Yeah, that's. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's. Hey, man. It's just the it's just the culture of the internet. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, it's 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 the it's the space that you know we found ourselves in now. Basically, just where like like um. The you know how it used to be like there's no such press as bad press. Yeah. That it's that's come to fruition with there being like on a level that, that we, that I don't think it really is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. So there are some good that came from all this after the trial. So while it was happening, 12 officers who are 12, um, they might've been like a officer, but figures in the police department, their names came up in the trial. And then in total, there have been 20 who've been charged in following cases that were opened up because we're like, Oh, this goes what, it was so funny when the woman was saying that, like, of this interview I listened to, where basically, as soon as those 12 names came up in the trial, people were just retiring left and right. They're like, yo, I'm out of here, dude. And they're just like, oh, the ship is sinking. Um, but they hilarious. did do follow-up charges on them. 800 cases were thrown out. 800 bullshit That's cases. Crazy. You know, that they were like, oh, these cops made up this shit. And the city of Baltimore, this feels kind of low, but the city of Baltimore paid out $15 million in payouts to people. I feel like that's a low figure when you think about like all the people. Mm-hmm. And payouts to who? The victims of the these victims? cops. Okay. Yeah, like what people who uh, falsely arrested, had their lives fucked up. Did they kill anyone? Um, they didn't shoot anyone, but they did cause traffic accidents through mm-hmm. car, illegal car chases that people died in. So yes, they did. Um, there was that. And in fact, another situation, so that um, one of the guys, Kenneth Baumgartner, he mm-hmm. was the one who his car got fucked up. He had to get his jaw wired shut um, because of the chase that they did. He went and did his own detective work to find witnesses to, you know, can corroborate his story that the police, like, did that to him. Mm-hmm. He got 150K, which, again, I feel like it's, like, not, it's not enough, That's man. That's not enough. No. What I'm asking about is um, those, the, those who passed away, did their families get anything yeah. specific? I don't know this. I don't know the exact <clears throat> numbers. I'm mm-hmm. sure it wasn't enough. I mean, there's really no number you can put yeah, on it. Right, but yeah, you can't, but um, I just found that they, had, yeah, paid eight, uh, hundred. Or excuse me, uh, fourteen million, um, in some capacity to, uh, you know, people who had been affected. But so I don't, all those people, fourteen million. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's yeah. not enough. And I don't know how it was done. Not even close. Not even. No, no. no I mean, right. There's, I guess, only changes enough, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. But uh, but um, yeah, it's it's even though like it's not enough is like a weird thing to say, but like it's not like of enough. It's, yeah, you know what I mean. I know there's no such thing as enough, but like right. that's definitely not it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Right. But so is has it been settled to like that's it? It's settled. No, no, no. It's still okay. it's still as far as I know, it's still ongoing. Okay. But it's like. Who, you know, this stuff's hard, man. It's not, yeah. that's the thing too. It's not as simple as like, oh yeah, they'll just cut a check and it's good. It's a very long, mm-hmm. stressful, difficult process. It's a fight. You know, mm-hmm. the city tries to not pay up. And even right. if, even if you win in court, you still have to get the money. It's not as simple as like, yeah. it just goes in the account the next day. It right. happens, mm-hmm. but it also doesn't happen. Right. Like there are famous cases of people who've won in court and they've waited like over a decade to get paid. Right. So it's like, cause you can, there's all right. these different ways lawyers can like, pull tricks with appeals and this and that and delay mm-hmm. and delay, you know? So, and if you don't have money to pay for that shit, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know? 
All right, guys, before we wrap up this episode, I want to take a second and thank our friends over at THCMints.com. THCMints.com has both Delta 8 and Delta 9 edibles that can be shipped to just about anywhere in the U.S. These are natural hemp-derived edibles, federally legal, with no medical card required. These are high-quality mints, non-GMO ingredients, gluten-free, no high-fructose corn syrup, and they taste great. My personal favorite flavor is the Delta 8 Watermelon Chill. So if you like edibles, take a few of these and you are going to feel great. Trust me. Free shipping on orders of $75 or more. And if you use the promo code HIGHLY, you'll get 20% off your order. Again, that's HIGHLY, all lowercase, spelled H-I-G-H-L-Y. You'll get 20% off your order, and it really helps out the show. So head over to THCMints.com to order yours today. But in total, the officers got 112 years combined for their... So Wayne got the most, 25. Most of the mm-hmm. other guys got 7 to 10 with a few, like, 12 to 18. So that was the story of the uh, Baltimore Gun Trace Task Force. Insane. It's crazy, right? Yeah, insane. It's um, wow. And <clears throat> you, you hear about, like, jump out boys and mm-hmm. different eras of that happening. Yeah. But that was 20, you said 2017? Yeah, 2016, 17, yeah. yeah. It's like, recent. Yeah, it's super, it's super recent. It's... um. You know, it kind of speaks to how far, how far things got to go. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Because, like, I'm sure in every in every major neighborhood, um, um, every big city that's predominantly black, yeah. there's some story like that happening. Dude, you know that was mean? speaking of that when the BBC this this was another insight as to like this guy is so fucking like he's just I mean obviously he's racist but like delusional is a better word because mm-hmm. she asked him she was like well how do you feel about the fact that like basically 100% of the people that you arrested and harassed and that they're all black, basically, almost every yeah. single one. And he, without missing a beat, he just went like, well, that's where the crime is. Didn't even stop and think for a second, like, why am I answering this way? You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, oh, he's too far gone, man. Yeah. Like, he's, you can't fix that. Yeah. No, nah, he's, no, nah, he's, you can't, the 20, you know, maybe time with himself eventually. Maybe, but I don't know, dude. It might, you know, you got a disorder, bro. Yeah, well, from the time from when he signed the confession to when he had to, like, you know, because when you get sentenced in court, you get to make like a plea and say, like, say sorry, whatever. Uh And in that time, he's like, I've been reading the Bible and I've, you know, really been trying to fix myself. It's like, come on, man. Like, what are you? Yeah, yeah, it's like we know that we know what you're doing, dude. Right. Like you didn't just find Jesus just now, you know. That's yeah. you know, uh John Bernthal was talking about um how he he spoke to him on the phone, right? To mm-hmm. prepare for the character. Yeah. And he said five minutes into the conversation, he was like, This dude is working me. Yeah. Yeah. He's working me. Every time I talk to him, yeah, he's working me. And yeah. he was like, That's and then when you see when you see him on the screen, you're like that's what it is. It's all yeah, a con. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Creflo Dollar, bro. Yeah, yeah. And it's, exactly. And, and that really was his downfall <laughs> because he was so good at it in his job as a cop that when he got arrested by the FBI, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, he convinced himself he could outsmart the FBI. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. what really fucked him because he was like, I'm the best. I'll get out of this. And then when that bail bondsman was like, no, I have all of it. Because he knew the dude was like, this is not going to go well for me because he knew that um, Wayne Dingens was working him. He's like, Wayne's working me. I don't, I, he's like, dude, I can't keep moving this weight. You're acting crazy. They're bringing like pounds and pounds and pounds. He's like, I'm one guy in Baltimore. Like this yeah. is cartel level shit you want to bring me. And Wayne's like working him, trying to convince him to make yeah. bigger risks mm-hmm. and shit. So that's when he was like, no, I'm, I'm going to make an insurance policy. And that really sank him when, you know, the FBI had that. And then when Wayne saw that, he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. And it was like the first time he ever was like, oh, I can't talk my way out of it. Yeah. I wish I could have seen that. I would have loved to see <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, hold his 25. <laughs> yeah. When he realized, <laughs> like, hold his 25 piece. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he's, he can get out in 2038. That's when <laughs> he'll be, yeah. yeah. He'll be flying shoes and shit. If, you, if you ever seen the like moment back in the future, <laughs> the time if you, you ever seen the moment of a, and that's when I knew I fucked up. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's when they go. <laughs> It was at this moment that he knew he fucked up. It's when they go, all right, we can offer you 25. Yeah. Yeah, it's like 25. 
That's the best we can do. It's like you, you could roll the dice on life or you can settle for 25. I feel like to me, I'm going to say this. To me, yeah. I feel like the crime life to a lot of people seems interesting and fun. Of course. Exciting. Yeah. Exciting yeah. as fuck. Mm-hmm. And to like go and do that for whatever reason, because you do think it's fun or because or because you need to or whatever reason to jump into to jump out there like that. Yeah. You would, what you're doing is you're putting skin in the game. Mm-hmm. And when a cop wants to do and then so someone grows up and wants to do that, but it's like wants the protection of, of, of the law of the United States government. Right. It's it's like you it's like the pussy way. Of you course. Know what I mean, it's the mm-hmm. pussy way of yeah. doing it. So it's kind it's of, also the most evil. It's super like <laughs> white people are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, listen, man, I'm not going to try and defend it. I'm not like <laughs> if, you, if you open any history book, it's like, yeah, dude, like we don't, we don't have a great track record. <laughs> right. No, but you, I mean, it's, it's just rough, like, man. I mean. I think it's just indicative of like, it just shows that when people get into that position, when they have that kind of power, when they're unchecked and they just like, I can get away with it, they just keep doing it. And then right. they'll, and, and they'll convince them, like what well, Scott, he convinced, because the thing that was the most fucked up is like, he convinced himself somehow, it, to me again, it's dictatorship. It's like, mm-hmm. this is the right thing to do. You know, dictators, they, they do horrible things, but they're like, oh, but like, I'm doing, I'm, the, I'm saving the country, so. Let me ask you something. Yeah, sure. Quick. Do you think there exists, there are people who can have that kind of power unchecked and do what's right? Um, Is that even a thing? Maybe, but I think it's a very, very small percentage of people, if any. And there's certainly a scale. Like, there's certainly people who will go way worse. But mm-hmm. to do it without any, I don't know. Those those type of people are the ones that get killed, man. Yeah. Right. You know, they, they right. do. That's they do because they're not willing to go and do that extra dark shit to to take out people who want what they have and they threaten those people yeah yes you can't have you can't change the mind of the masses yeah i'm glad you brought that up because there were times where there would be like a new person brought into the gun trace task force and they would kind of test them to see if they would be down with stealing and if they weren't they would get them out of there right away Mm. so there was like a scene there's a really good scene in the show where there's this like rookie cop or like younger cop who like idolizes wayne jenkins because wayne was seen as a hero for a while and he comes in the unit and they're like boys and they're having fun. And then Wayne tries to like float it like, hey, man, like what if we just found some money? Like what would we do? I'm just saying like what if we just like found like 50K drug money? What would we do? And the guy is like, we would turn it in. Like why? He was like, why would you even joke about that? He was like like offended. And then Wayne's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. And the next day, out of there, yeah. you know, mm. <laughs> put him in a different. He's like, get that. No, no, no. So it's like, yeah, man. But I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that they're. I think the only way it can be done is you have to have you have to have accountability systems. You mm-hmm. have to have ways to keep yourself like it's just it's just knowing that there's consequences. Right. Even yeah. if even if someone like feels like they're like oh I wouldn't break the rules whatever you have to have the consequence there or else you're like it's just too it, the temptation's too easy. Yeah, nothing's going to stop me from It's got to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. There's got to be some sense. checks and balances, right? Yeah. And it's also like, but it's like everybody wants to imagine they like oh, I wouldn't do that shit. But until you're in that position with like having unchecked power, you don't really know. You know what the fun? Like this is like a little more like inside the comedy than this. Mm-hmm. But like when you see someone who like books like some comedy show for the first time, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is I've been smoking. <clears throat> Someone's like they're, maybe they're a little newer or they just have been doing it for a while, and they get their own like bar show and they have like the power to like decide who to book. You can see that in people there. Like you can see, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yo, thousand percent. <laughs> you know, like it's but, the same bullshit. It's just not as, you know, it's yeah, like, a, it's, it's, it's just the slight. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times. See the, just the slightest bit of power. Oh, my God. And then, you know, it's, it's like we could talk about ego shit, narcissism, whatever. But it's just like there's just people who just I guess they just <laughs> they latch on to something, especially comics. We're kind of fucked up anyway. Yeah. 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 And so. If like the moment we get some kind of thing that's like not, I'm not gonna say we because I won't put that on all of us. But the yeah. moment that some get some kind of thing that's yeah. like uh, some kind of gatekeeper for whatever reason, mm-hmm. as much as they say they hate the gatekeeper shit, yeah, they just can't help. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's you treat how you've been treated or what, but I don't know. Or it's just <sighs> I ego think it's, shit. 
I think, yeah, it's, I think it's partly like how people are raised. I think it's partly genetic. I think it's partly mm-hmm. just some people are not aware, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like a mixture of, you know, because sometimes I'll be like at the airport or Starbucks or whatever, and you see someone behind the counter getting screamed at by some customer, and it's like, dude, this is not their fault, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I see the airport is the real bad one. They cancel a flight, and you're just the person like, uh, attention, sorry. And they're like, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, that's not the guy to be mad yeah. at. Like, he's just, he's... His, he does not have the good job. Like, don't come at him right, like that, you know? Right. He did not write I mean, whatever. Do you think he, he canceled your flight? Like, <laughs> yeah. He did not order anything here. Yeah. Some people are just fucked up people, bro. Yeah. They just you know? messed yeah. up people. And like you and like when you said earlier, you know, you get the wrong person power. Mm. Yeah. Of course you're going to abuse it, man. Yeah. And, you, and, and we've definitely encountered those personality types. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. yeah. Dude, Dude, I forgot to mention. So. You were on Animal Kingdom. Yeah. I love that show. What was the scene that you were in? So I can go back and watch it. Oh, shit. Uh, so uh, it's, I think it's the, the episode called Relentless. Okay. And it's a flashback scene um, of Smurf. Nice. Yeah. When she was young. So you know that that actress? Mm-hmm. I can't think of her name. Ellen um, Bernstein is the older woman. but That's I, the, yeah, yeah. Ellen Bernstein is the, um, the oldest Smurf. Yeah. But anyway... So do these flashbacks to the '80s, and it shows Smurf when she first got in the game. Oh, and it's a shit. scene where her partner, one of her business partners, he um, they robbed the truck. They used to rob trucks, like yeah, um, like armored cars or just like no, nah, no. Nah, they would rob uh, um, like oh, like people moving like like TVs and stuff. Yeah, like, like yeah. yeah, like that, like, like electronic, that, like shipping trucks, shipping trucks. Yeah. There you go, there you go. I don't know why I couldn't think. It must be the weed. Yeah, <laughs> um, I get merchandise in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. So they back then, this is when VCRs first came out. Oh, shit, okay. and those just was hot. They yeah. were just stealing truckloads of VCRs. Yeah. So they went to this um, to this like 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 this check cashing type area. Like liquor store, I think it was mm. a liquor store. Yeah, and they, saw, and they saw a bunch of construction workers. I played this construction. Oh, nice! And they and then the guy calls us over. So me and my homie walk over. And we start talking about the VCR. Hell yeah! About, you know he's trying to sell the VCR. Nice man to me, and I end up um, buying it. Buy a machine. I'll throw in a tape. Three seventy five. <sighs> Come on, man! You're killing me. I'll send it to you, man. Yeah, hell yeah. So, um, I uh, I never had any speaking lines on Animal Kingdom, but I was an extra okay. in a scene. Yeah, um, I think it was season four. Um, one of the sons, uh, what's, I think they call him Pope. That's his character. Yep. And he was like an MMA fighter for a little bit. He was doing like cage fighting. I'm like one of the dudes outside the cage. Like, yeah, fuck up. <laughs> so I couldn't find myself. I watched it like three times. I couldn't find me, but I was there. I know I was there. I got paid extra to smoke fake cigarettes. They give you like a oh, little bump. Oh, yeah, yeah. I you, right. They're like, yeah. they're so funny, dude, because you blow out and the smoke comes and it's like Hollywood cigarettes. But like, yeah, if, I'll give you a $5 bonus if you do it. I'm like, okay. Like, what do I care? Right. So, yeah. Animal Kingdom, that's a fun show, man. Uh, so, everybody watch that. Check out Sean. Where, they, where can they uh, follow you? Um, Instagram. Okay. Uh, it's going to be Sean BG. And Gitler. Oh, uh, Instagram at Gitler Raphael. It's G-U-I-T-L-E-R. Raphael with the PH. Nice. You guys have been your host, Alex Gatlin. We will see you next time. All right. Oh,